An inmate at the Virginia Department of Corrections, Red Onion State Prison. To accept this call, press zero. This is Randall Vaughn. I'm currently serving 1,214 years in Wallens Ridge State Prison in Big Stone Gap, Virginia for capital murder. This is my podcast, Red Onion Randy. Today, I'm going to talk about an eight-day span here at Wallens Ridge. I hope you enjoy listening to me. I don't know if this is true or not. Let me start off with that. Um, my neighbor that I hang out with the most in this pod is... Uh, was watching the news and he told me that he had seen a story on there that uh of the dangerous the most dangerous prisons in the US and uh Wallens Ridge he said they classified Wallens Ridge as the deadliest prison in the state of Virginia. Um I don't know where it ranked in the US. Um but this is what he told me. I did not see the story myself. I haven't gotten confirmation simply because I really haven't tried. But I can see it. And he said it wasn't just, you know, murders and fights and stabbings. You know, it was overdoses and deaths from that and so on and so forth. Gang fights and activity and, and, and what have you. Um, but I will say this. This place is a little bit wild. This place reminds me of back in the day when I first came into the system. I don't think it's as bad as Red Onion was when Red Onion first opened up. Um when I was there, and uh, it was Red Onion was crazy for real. I mean, that's the reason why I am called Red Onion Randy. I was there for 20-some years. I've forgotten more about Red Onion than anybody else will probably ever learn. I was there longer than anybody, as far as I know, to the best of my knowledge. So this is what happened in eight days. On a Monday, in the pod next door to me, I'm in A4. This happened in A5. Evidently, you have this one blood, and supposedly he's a big guy. Supposedly, he's got some size to him, and he's got a pretty got a pretty good fight game. Um, I don't know the cat personally. This is just what I've heard. You know, we talked to them guys. We, we're on the rec yard with them. Uh, we walk to and from medical or school or video visits or wherever with other people up here. Red Onion, they keep every single pod separated. Up here, they don't do that. I'll go to video visits with guys from other pods and other buildings, and we're not shackled or cuffed or secured in any way. Uh, as a matter of fact, they actually just had a fight the other week. You know, we're two dudes from two separate buildings. They saw each other, and I guess they were beefing from back in the day, and they ran up and got to rumbling with one another until the COs broke it up. But uh, that's the way it is up here. So this is what I heard. You know, like this guy supposedly is a bully. He's throwing his weight around, and, uh, you know, he was chopping the crips in the pod, even though he was outnumbered. He didn't care, evidently, or he just didn't have enough damn sense. So five crips chomped him and beat his ass. And, uh, well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you're a bully, get what you deserve. I don't have no sympathy for you. If you get your ass whooped by one, two, three, five, or ten, if you started it, that's on you. You're just going to have to wear that ass whooping like a man and keep it moving and hopefully learn something from it. And if you don't, you're probably going to get your ass whooped again. So that happened on a Monday. They locked us down to deal with it. And the next morning on Tuesday, they let us out. Now, all of this took place at the end of December, the beginning of January. Tuesday night, 
you had two guys in the building. They OD'd on drugs, and they actually died. They actually lost their lives. So Wednesday morning, we was on lock for a little bit, but then they let us out around like 8 o'clock. And, uh, like, drugs are everywhere up here. Like, I cannot walk across the yard without somebody asking me, yo, man, you trying to buy some? Or, yo, man, you, you got something to sell? Or, you know somebody to sell them? Hey, I'm not interested in that, fellas, man. I'm on a different path. Yeah, but, man, just, nah, man, I'm on a different path, man. Keep it moving. I'm not getting caught up <laughs> even through simple conversation, but this place is flooded with it. They are combating it. They are fighting against it. I'll, I'll get into that here in a little bit. But you had two guys die, and I don't know if they were selling. I think they were selling. Um, because normally, under normal circumstances, if you got a guy in the cell with you and he ODs, the selling is going to scream for medical help out the side of the door. He, he's going to scream for the COs to come get this dude, get him the medical, get medical over to him, Narcan him, bring him back. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to get a fake murder charge because this dude OD'd. And they thinking that you, you strangled him to death or beat him to death or killed him in some form, shape, or fashion. So pretty much everybody is going to call for help. So that leads me to believe that these two guys that, you know, died over, you know, OD'd, were in the cell together, and they got help, they got high together, and uh, they died together. So we come off Wednesday morning after they dealt with all of that. They they, they shook down their pod and, and everything, and uh, maybe a couple other pods. I don't really remember. It was a while ago. But they didn't shake us down over here. We was just down for a couple hours and then let us out. So Wednesday afternoon, word got over to the Bloods, and see one part, and that one of their homeboys, you know, one of their big homies. And whenever you hear someone in the game world refer to a big homie, a big homie has been in the game for a while. He's uh, He's got rank. He, he's got respect and authority, and he's put that work in. You don't rise up in a gang unless you're willing to fight or you're willing to take someone's life or so on and so forth. And you keep your mouth shut. So when they found out that one of their big homies got jumped by the Crips, I don't know the exact number between the Bloods and the Crips in C1. Um, all I know is it was 18 dudes got to rumbling. You know, the Bloods came out to par. They pulled knives, and they started stabbing up the Crips and fighting, and the Crips pulled knives and started fighting back and stabbing. And, and them boys went at it. Like, it took the COs a minute to get that fight broken up. It didn't matter if they were shooting guns. It didn't matter if they were shooting tear gas. It didn't matter that they were spraying mace. It didn't matter that they had attack dogs in there fighting, trying to drag them down and subdue them. Like, these dudes were going at it hardcore. I mean, they were they were putting that work in for real. So eventually, they get it secured. Eventually, they get everybody down. You know, they've locked the whole compound down while they was trying to subdue that and everything. You know, and that's the thing. Like, you know, when the SEALs are run to the bars and they'll scream, lock down, lock down, lock down now all excited and their high-pitched voices and everything. And, you know, they're pointing the guns at you to make sure that you comply and whatnot, while the rest of the COs, they're hauling ass, you know, to go over there and uh, help deal with whatever the situation happens to be. And they had their hands full that day. They definitely had their hands full. And it, it actually took them like 30 or 40 minutes to break that fight up and, and subdue it. So Thursday, we're on lockdown. All day we're on lockdown, and then Friday morning, they uh they're over there in uh, C1 shaking down. 
they're they're searching the rest of them because the way it is up here in Wallace Ridge and Red Onion, you know, because we're supermax prisons, the bottom tier will come out by themselves while the top tier stays in the cell, and they'll get an hour, hour and a half, or two hours, just depending on what the day looks like. And then when their wreck is done, they'll let the top tier out. And then after lunch, they'll do the same. You know, and they alternate daily who comes out first. So if the bottom tier comes out first today, the top tier will come out first tomorrow. And they keep them separated. So it was, uh, if I remember correctly, this happened on the bottom tier. You know, we're all on Wednesday when the, when the Bloods and the Crips got to fight, and it was all on the bottom tier. So everybody else was in the cell on the top tier waiting to come out for wreck that day. So Friday morning, they shake down. Just that part, they don't, they don't mess with any of the other parts, but they go in looking for knives, looking for drugs, and, you know, anything else contraband-related. You know, and to send a little message. So after lunch, you know, they're finishing everything. They let us back out for wreck. I'm in A414. I'm at the cell right at the top of the steps. So we come out and we're standing there, and they tell us, all right, y'all come on. And you're supposed to stand in front of your cell until all the doors are open and then all the doors are closed. Um, you know, and that's just to keep guys from running up in the cell on someone and so on and so forth. I make it to the bottom of the steps before the COs run to the bar screaming, lockdown, 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 lockdown. So we're like, damn, man. So, you know, we're upset about it, but we go ahead and we lock down. Let's face it, man, we ain't got much choice except to buck. And, yeah, I ain't bucking over something like that. So we find out that when they let the top tier out, the Crips came out and they started to fight with the Bloods on the top tier. And they pulled knives and weapons and just started going at it. They shook the pod down that morning, and they didn't even find nothing. I will say this in their defense. Man, we got some pretty damn good hiding spots in here that you It would take a genius to figure out, or it would take somebody snitching and telling them, hey, yeah, you might want to start checking this or checking that or looking in this. You know what I'm saying? Which I'm not going to give you all that information because people do listen to this podcast that works in the Department of Corrections. So they don't find nothing. And the dudes go out and they set it off again. That's the, str- that's the, that's the last straw. By this time, the war- warden Archer and warden Blevins, assistant warden Blevins, they're trying to open the place back up. They're trying to make sure we get the wreck we're supposed to get. When they first got up here, yeah, I was I was a little worried. It, it kind of looked like things were actually going to get worse because we spent a lot of – I think we spent their first two months up here pretty much on lockdown the whole two months, except, like, we came out, like, maybe once a week every other week or something like that. You know, it was crazy. But in their defense, you know, they were trying to change the culture. They were trying to change the way the CEOs think and, and so on and so forth. You know, and it took a while, and now it's starting to clear up and everything, thank God. So we're on lock. I mean, they got no choice. They just had three gang fights in a week and two ODs. So, yeah, we're on lock. There's no question about that. It is what it is. You know, I was a little pissed about it because we were supposed to get library books, and, yeah, we got screwed on that again. Now, Sunday, they had just brought a guy up and put him in a gang pod with a gang because, you know, the, the 
normally they try to keep gang members in the same pods, in the same area, so they're not really affecting everybody else because gangs have a tendency of trying to want to run things and own things. Like, you can't use the phone or the kiosk unless they give you permission, and normally that involves you paying them. And you got some of us civilians that ain't gang members. We ain't we ain't tolerating that, and we ain't going for it. You know, so they, they do try to keep it as separated as they can, so they, 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 they have a gang pod up here, you know, which they originally tried to put me in, even though I'm guaranteed single-cell status, and I've been charged free for 17 years, and I ain't had a celly in 17 years. But I've already discussed that. Now, evidently, the guy that went to video visit, when he came back, he didn't trust his celly. He didn't know his celly and, and so on and so forth, so he checked his commissary. And everybody in prison, they know exactly what they have in that cell commissary. Why? They know how many soups, how many chips. If the bag of chips is already open, they know what level it is. All of that. Now, the dude Selly was eating some of his commissary while he was at uh while while he was at video visit. So he beat his Selly to death. He killed him in the cell with his bare hands, and then stuffed a bag of Cheetos down his throat. You know, to send a message. And uh, <laughs> that's why you know, we we was already on lockdown. And a dude killed the celly while we was on lockdown. And then that Monday, they bring the strike force up here. They bring the strike force up. And uh, they go into A6 first. Uh, I don't know why they decide to go in A6 first, because normally they go into the kitchen pod, the workers' pod first, and they get them done so they can go to work and do whatever. But this time they go into A6. And uh, the strike force is uh, it's a group of COs from uh, prisons all around the state of Virginia. They, uh, they apply for strike force. They go through some extra training. And they get a little extra pay and so on and so forth for traveling and staying away from home for a week or two while they shake a whole institution down. You know, um, they respond to riots and stuff of that nature. Now, they come up here and uh, they do it different because normally when they pull you out for a shakedown, they put you in handcuffs and shackles and they pull you out, you know, with three COs per inmate and they go in the cell and shake you down and then put you back in and go on to the next cell. You got You got three or four cells getting shook down at once. So that's how they normally shake us down. But this time, they do something completely different. They've got like 10 drug dogs in the pod. They've got like 50 COs. And they're pulling the whole bottom tier and the whole top tier out at one time. And they've got everybody lined up in the middle of the pod. And they run the drug dogs down the middle of them and then run them up around them several times. They take you and they put you in a... uh, a chair that's uh that detects metal, metal detection chair, sorry. So they do that and then when you get up you gotta go stand in front of this tall pole thing that's got a bunch of colored lights and sensors on it that detects cell phone signals. I don't know what happened, I don't know what set dudes off, but evidently something set them off and uh a bunch of them, white dudes, Spanish dudes, black dudes, like different gangs, like they just started jumping on the COs and started fighting. And uh, they they had a basically had a, a small little mini-riot. You know, and they got to rumbling with them. And it, it took a while um, for the COs to get control of them and everything. And, um, you know, and this is the thing. The way they do it, they had just a strike force in the pod. 
none of the regular full officers, if you worked at Wallace Ridge, you wasn't allowed in the pods while the shakedown crew was shaking down. So they had a riot. And then that afternoon, when, they, when they'd gotten everything in A6 done, and, and I mean, they tore that pod up. They tore those dudes' property up. They threw away trash bag after trash bag after trash bag. I mean, if you weighed it, it probably literally weighed a ton worth of personal property that the strike force threw away and destroyed because in retaliation for the riot. And then that afternoon, they went over to a pod in B building, and the same thing happened. They had another riot where the inmates there jumped on the strike force and started fighting them. So that whole week goes by, and the strike force, they just, they retaliate against everybody up here. They broke over 300 inmates' televisions. This isn't coming from the inmate grapevine. We had COs come by and tell us that. My neighbor, when they took us out and we went over to the gym while they shook us down, they broke a couple of TVs in this part. They broke uh, uh, my neighbor, um, Boss Life, they broke his television. You know, and he started to snap out, and then he, our floor officers by that time was back in the partners like, man, dude, just chill out, man. We're going to tell somebody. We're going to talk and so on and so forth. And I added the mass up just on TVs. The TVs are 230 some dollars. I don't remember because it's been a while since I had to buy one. Times that by 300, it's almost $70,000, give or take, of televisions that they broke up here. There's only like 900 inmates up here. So they broke over one third of the inmates' televisions, and not every inmate has a TV. Probably only 500 people up here have a TV. I will say this. When the wardens and them found out that they'd broken these televisions and so on and so forth, they did make right on it. Now, I don't know if they made right on everybody's up here or if they was even capable of making right on everybody's up here, but I know the people in this part, the televisions that got broken, they could prove that they was broken, they got their TVs replaced. So Archip and Blevins, they did a stand-up thing right there because I can tell you right now, most wouldn't. They really would not. Um, they didn't break my TV, but I got a bubble TV. I got one of the big ones. Everybody else's television that were broken were the flat screens, and those things are, they're not worth the money. They're, they're maybe worth 45 bucks most, and yet Keefe is charging us 200 and some dollars for the damn things. But... That was the eight days up here. You had three gang fights. You had two ODs. You had one murder. And you had two riots. And you had the strike force team were just breaking everybody's TVs and throwing away a bunch of property. They even threw away a bunch of my property. But, you know, it was some small stuff. I didn't even let myself get mad or upset over it. That's my life in Wallace Ridge. Things are starting to improve a little bit. We're starting to get more wreck. We're starting to, to get some of the things that we're supposed to get. But, yeah, that was that was a rough eight days up here for some fellas. I hope you enjoyed listening to me today. Don't forget, in the U.S., if you would like to call me, ask a question, leave a message, call 1-888-524-1000.
And for all international calls, just put a plus in front of the one. Don't forget to check out my website, redonionrandy.com. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you for using GTL.